study New York Welcome to the Forbidden Technique Podcast with your boys Christian and Silas. Today, mostly looking forward to maybe the card of the year for the UFC. You know, they tend to try and uh, go all out on these big end-of-year pay-per-views, and this one, absolutely no exception. The fights halfway down the prelims are still interesting and good. I mean, Randy Brown versus Muslim Salikov is the first prelim. That's like... See that fight on a Apex main card, you're like, damn, <laughs> they actually tried. So, should be a lot to get into. Uh, given that, we probably won't uh, go into a tremendous amount of detail about last weekend's Apex card, Song Yidong versus Chris Gutierrez. The card wasn't even booked badly, just uh, sometimes they just don't quite deliver the way you want it. And there, there was still some stuff that bears mention. Anyway, we got UFC 296, Leon Edwards uh, making his second title defense of the welterweight championship after, of course, uh, dethroning the long-reigning Kamaru Usman with the big come-from-behind head kick and then um, defending in a rubber match against Usman in uh, Edwards' most uh, impressively consistent performance of his entire career. Absolutely. Um, And he's fighting Colby Covington, who is coming off of a single win over Jorge Masvidal two years ago-ish. Is Colby Covington... Like, is he a household name? Like, I don't know why he seems to be one of the last remaining just reality-bending UFC stars who just gets to repeatedly have title shots off of basically completely meaningless wins. Because, you know, he got the Usman rematch off of a win over Tyron Woodley, who was well in the mist by that point. I'm going to try and make some of this podcast actually talking about this fight and not just uh, shitting on Colby Covington and questioning why he's even in another welterweight title shot to begin with because i just can't wrap my head around it and it's stupid well like gilbert burns has earned a title shot as recently as colby pretty much or like Bilal muhammad also who is on a, a genuinely extremely high quality win streak with wins on it that are better than anything on colby covington's career the colby covington's best win is his Best wins are still Damian Meyer and Brian Barbarena. Yeah, maybe. You know, he beat Robbie Lawler, who was shot. Beat Woodley. Yeah, even even the RDA fight, if you count it as a win, which it's arguable it isn't, but even if you count it as a win, it's still, he's small. Yeah, I always forget about that one because I don't count it as a win. There's, a, there's also just reason that RDA is back at lightweight, you know? Like, it, it, it's already a bit of a diminished win uh, by this point now. Like at the time, it seemed like, eh, even in a robbery, that's still a pretty good name to have on your record. But at welterweight, it's like a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, you know, Michael Chiesa did it a lot more handily than Colby Covington did. 
And yeah, that's Michael Chiesa, my dude. So this is the thing about this fight is I feel like I'm not like uh, entirely in tune with what the general narrative is among regular UFC viewers is because I try not to communicate with these kind of people if I can help it, you know. But it really seems like people have a quite set idea in their minds about who Leon Edwards is and who Colby Covington is. And you may very well find if you just watch the most recent fights that a lot of these preconceived notions about just how these guys function in hard fights are just kind of flat out wrong at this point. Because, correct me if I'm wrong, Christian, but it seems like what most people are viewing this as is like, you know, even though Leon Edwards beat Kamaru Usman twice and Colby Covington did not, um, you know, Colby Covington, he's the southpaw, he drives a big pace, and, you know, Leon is really technical, but... Flusterable. Yeah, struggles to maintain focus over a really high-paced five-round fight that's going everywhere. Has stuff like uh, getting brutally knocked out in the fifth round by Nate Diaz. I just... I don't even think Colby Covington is that guy anymore. And even if he is, I kind of just think Leon can handle it. Because Colby Covington, the last fight where he really looked... I'm not even going to say looked good. I'm going to say looked like Colby Covington and how Colby Covington is designed to win fights is the first Kamaru Usman fight four years ago, end of 2019, I think that one was. I believe it was after that fight he got kicked out of ATT. The only gym would have him was MMA Masters, who every fighter from that I've seen out of MMA Masters has the issue of basically being incapable of seizing initiative in fights and always be the one answering questions rather than the one asking them. And that is not what Colby Covington should be doing in a fight. You think of a peak Colby Covington performance like the Robbie Lawler fight. That's just him asking so many questions at all times that Robbie Lawler can't even fucking think about answering them. He's just always one step behind, even though Colby Covington basically did absolutely no damage while throwing 700 punches in a 25-minute fight. Um, just a guy like Robbie Lawler, who's at a certain point you can just make him wait for his turn and then it's, it's just never going to come. And particularly Robbie Lawler, who's already pretty shot by that point and already been thoroughly shit-stomped by RDA. Um, we just watched the Masvidal fight. He, he he just wasn't doing that stuff, you know? It was just the fact that Masvidal, by that point, just looked glacially slow and really has never liked fighting at a high pace, has never... You know, he's a good wrestler, but he just does not fight with the urgency to keep someone off him for 25 minutes who's just constantly trying to do stuff. And Yeah, Masvidal just loves going second. Yeah. And... Colby was just, you know, he himself looked slow, wasn't fighting at a tremendously high pace, but was just constantly able to show some big loopy punches to get Masvidal to back up to the cage. And then he could get in it, get in on a shot, and then Masvidal you know, w- wouldn't even try and stuff the initial shot. He, he, he'd just, you know, let Colby Covington get in on his hips and then be like, well, I'm going to try and like 
you know, go guillotine and then let go of it and dig under hooks and then again, he's he's just always a step behind and um whenever it got to the ground, Colby Covington would just be able to get to his back where he's a genuinely abysmal finisher, but is good at just using that position, you know, maintaining that position to just wear on people and, and just make their life miserable. He'll show the choke just to like... Remind you that it exists. Yeah, get his, you just, yeah just to get his opponent to do something with their hands so that he can advance position, get a more secure ride or make them turn away so that he can secure a mount. But his ground pound sucks. It doesn't do any damage. He doesn't have any finishing ability with his submission offense. And he nearly got his fucking head ripped off by Jorge Masvidal in that fight because Jorge Masvidal is just a patient, uh, offensively crafty fighter. He like showed a one-two and then cracked him with a huge hook. The thing that Jorge Masvidal is really good at is when he's fighting southpaws, going southpaw himself to take away a lot of, a lot of his opponent's Usual shot selection and sense of distance and ability to see things coming. This is how he knocked out Darren Till. And he nearly fucking murdered Colby Covington in the fourth round of that fight because he just yeah, blasted along uh, Southpaw 1-2. And then as Colby Covington was backing out of that exchange, just dinged him with a right hook on the exit. Uh, Leon Edwards actually just is a Southpaw. He's a Southpaw's Southpaw. He's a good counterpuncher and uh, he's also... He's also an active and really fast, powerful kicker. Uh, any kicks that Jorge Masvidal committed to against Colby Covington were absolutely free. He was uh, quite often uh, you know, digging really clean, hard body kicks and off-balancing Colby Covington with low kicks as he entered. And then there's the fact that Leon Edwards, in his last fight, had the most classy and consistent neutralizing outfighting performance in a career of doing that kind of thing a lot where the intense pressure and pace of Kamara Usman was just never enough for Kamara Usman to really get ahead in that fight. It's not, you know, even though it was reasonably competitive, there's absolutely no case for Usman winning or even you know, I think some one judge gave Usman two rounds, which I think is a stretch. And uh, I think people are going to be like severely overplaying the fall off of Kamara Usman just because he lost his belt and then immediately lost a rematch to a guy who he had beaten in the past. And then lost to Kamayev. I don't know, fighting the like scariest prospect on super short notice, a division up and totally deserving a, a draw. Yeah, it's one thing if Kamayev isn't him, but like he is. Yeah, I, I think Kamayev has you know has his own issues that he's kind of shown in his last couple of fights. But like he's he's clearly elite, you know. It, it's not a bad look for Usman to lose to. And Leon Edwards has, for a very long time, clearly been one of the most well-rounded and skilled fighters in the UFC. It just often was a matter of keeping his head in the game, and he just never has done that like he was able to in that third Kamara Usman fight where he was confident in standing his ground his defensive wrestling looked fantastic his cage awareness looked a lot better just against a much more physically imposing version of Colby Covington's thing that works for him when he's at his best 
and that I don't really even expect Colby Covington to be able to do anymore. So, um, I obviously have a pretty strong opinion of this fight um, that I've already kind of just laid out that I think Colby, I think Leon Edwards is going to look like a man beating his son. I think the strength difference in the clinch is going to be dramatic. The big thing I, I can kind of see is that Leon Edwards also is a really dedicated southpaw who much prefers to have that open stance, have that extra distance, and is just more used to seeing shots coming and putting together his own offense in that kind of space. Yeah, and Colby switches a lot more, and he can fight from either stance if he really doesn't want to deal with a certain dynamic. Yeah, and the big th- I think the big thing is he's, he's a southpaw with an active jab, which is just not something that Leon Edwards really has to deal with much. Um, I'm still just going to say... I'm going to put my nuts on the table here. I'm just going to say I don't think it's going to matter. I think Leon Edwards is going to outclass Colby Covington. So I agree with basically everything you said, but I I always feel like I'm missing something if I don't mention that Leon Edwards only gets hurt by people that don't hit hard or aren't particularly huge hitters. Uh, Brian Barberena, big hitter relative to to people that don't have many one punch knockouts, but he, he just got, he's got crafty shot selection and he hit Leon with a fucking disgusting uppercut that you can almost not even notice watching the fight in slow-mo. So he's just, he landed a really crafty shot and then Nate Diaz hurt him really badly. Leon got head kicked, uh, by Cerrone, who's not a light hitter, but like he, he, people forget that Cerrone kind of won like a round or two off of Leon, even though it was a very good performance by Leon. Uh, but he, he just has a lot of problems with getting hurt by people that have really no business hurting him. And then when he fights someone that hits hard, he looks like he's unknockoutable. It, it's a very awkward situation to be in. And kind of everything in me wants to say that Leon is going to look really bad, but still win comfortably. And Covington is going to look better than he usually does or or has recently and then still get wiped. But there's, I mean, it's just hard for me to see two good performances against uh, pound-for-pound talent and not think that something's changed or, or is, like, changed for good. Like, it, how can I watch the Usman fights and not think, oh, well, Usman's a lot better than Colby at everything Colby used to try to do, but now Colby doesn't even do anymore. So, like, what, what's he got uh, over Usman? Uh, he shows a flying knee and then lands into a right straight. He's probably a bit better of a ring general than Usman is at this point. Uh, his chin is definitely worse than Usman's is right now because Usman's still able to take hard shots, and Colby has always been kind of buzzable. Not necessarily... Like, his chin's great, but he's always been someone that can get hurt. Uh, if if you really crack him and he'll just recover really quickly. So when I'm watching the way that Colby likes to enter in on clinch exchanges or establish a takedown threat, just a lot of things that Leon has a lot of tactical uh, history of dealing with. Uh, Someone that likes to shoot it on, on single legs. He's got a really fucking good elbow frame. He pushes on the neck. Well, he like, turns the angle so that you have to shoot in from a position you don't normally want to. Uh, he's really good if he a- you actually get the takedown on him because he's good at standing up. He's hard to take his back. It's even harder to keep his back. He's 
versatile as fuck when it comes to turning a takedown into a clinch exchange. Some of the shitty takedowns that Colby was hitting on Masvidal as well, like like the single leg where you literally turn around and yank the guy's leg towards you. That if he tries that on Leon, he's just gonna get his back taken. Yeah, I, I believe it was the third round or so, roughly in the middle of the fight. Uh, I think it's the beginning of the fifth is the one I'm thinking of. There's an instance where Colby grabs Masvidal's leg and then bends his leg inwards so that it's uh, pulling his leg across his body. He twists. And if you try that on someone that has a good back take, they're taking your back 10 times out of 10. Because you're, you're giving the hook. All you got to do is reach onto the far side, hook their bicep, and then you're free. You're, you're in, you're, you've got their back. They give you their back. He basically takes Masvidal's leg and puts it in the position of a hook. But just Masvidal was so gassed at that point that Colby was able to do the old just grab the arm and turn and then you're in top full guard. Yeah, but for someone that's kind of fresh, like like Leon is, it, that's just you're just going to give him your back if you go for that. And I don't really expect Covington to go for any sacrifice takedowns like that. on, Or I don't expect Colby to go for those on Leon. But if he does, he's fucked. Uh, so I think that Colby has to fight an incredibly disciplined performance while also maintaining the kind of, uh, I mean, his nickname's Chaos, like the chaotic kind of flow of his fights where he's always throwing something. But he hasn't done that in years, and Leon has looked the best he's looked ever. Uh, and, and the Brian Barberina fight, you know, th- that's the only one that gives me kind of pause, because I think Brian Barberina and Colby Covington actually hit about the same level of hard. I think is just a good striker, you know? Yeah, Brian Barberina has significantly better mechanics than Colby Covington. Uh, and still isn't a crazy hitter. He's just someone that'll put a lot of volume on you and hit you a lot. No, but can you imagine Colby Covington hurting Luke on the feet the way Brian Barberena did? Oh no, but I can imagine Colby hurting Leon. Barberena is genuinely so much more subtle with the way that he plays with his rhythm and timing, the way that he plays different shots off of each other. Well, and it, and, and it was a counter that he dropped Leon Wiz. When, yeah, it was a gorgeous counter. When has Colby Covington ever done a counter punch in his life? Um, I mean, since he switched over to MMA Masters, he's gotten a lot better at what he was bad at, I think is fair to say. Yeah, it's just the fact that he's doing that now and he's still bad at it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird situation where I think it was kind of a lateral move for him to switch from ATT to Masters because... He's instead of working on his A game more, which he was all he did at ATV, now he's kind of working on how do you like slow your pace down a little bit. I think it's probably better for him as an old man uh, to to have a style where he's able to slow it down a little bit, but still keep kind of the the meat of what he's trying to do. Yeah, I, th- I think um, this move stylistically for Colby Covington is also just the fact that he is not a young man, he, and he's been doing this kind of thing for a long time, and traditionally. This is just not a fighting style that ages well. Being a pace and pressure and do everything all the time, grindy wrestler guy, those guys don't stick around for a long time. And if they do, they're Clay Guida. I mean, we love Clay Guida, but he's lost a million fights. Yeah, I do think there is benefit, more benefit than negative at this point. I think it's better this way than the other way around. Like if he switches from Masters ATT, uh, because he's uh, definitely, I think, a lot better at 
like I think he's a better technical striker now that he's switched to MMA Masters because they're actually working on trying to improve his skill set rather than just kind of putting all your chips into making him an a, a pace bully that just is always throwing something. Because now he'll slow it down a little bit. He'll take a punch on his guard before he throws back. He'll tr- show a, a check hook. He'll he'll try and catch your leg as you enter in on a kick to to get an easier takedown. I think it's just a bit more economical as an old older fighter or aging fighter to work on being able to fight with the fight a little bit slower. So I think that's good for him. But I just think that that's it's a good move generally but in this fight in particular i think that it sets leon up to just have more opportunities to kick him in the face because now he he used to be a guy that would probably just charge through any kicks leon goes for now he's probably gonna try and like block the kick and like be like oh he's going for a body kick let me block it i've been kicked in the face Uh, or oh shit he's going for a head kick oh i've been kicked in the body and just get i feel like he's able to get mixed up more now that he's trying to get better in a weird way. Or if Leon kind of just spams low kicks like he did in the last Usman fight, Kobe Covington doesn't have a way of dealing with ranged offense. Like you say, he, he, he always just used to eat it and walk through it. But I can really just see him getting pretty much every kind of entry he attempts to cross distance against Leon, just immediately getting shut down by his balance, uh, getting torn out from under him by low kicks. Entirely fair. Uh the the body work is a big thing that Colby doesn't like, and people just forget that he doesn't like. Usman beat the shit out of Colby's body in the first fight, which was the main contributor to him getting the finish. And then he did not go for the body very much in the second fight on a diminished Colby Covington. And he still looked the best he's ever looked for two rounds, and then proceeded to fall off because he wasn't, you know, attriting the body the way that he was in in the first fight. Leon, I don't think he's going to have that problem. I think Leon is going to consistently be kicking the the body. Yeah, and Masvidal was clearly affecting Colby Covington with the body kicks that he that he did get off in that fight. Like I say, every time he actually tried one, it landed so clean. Yeah, the the clinch elbows another part that's bad for Colby because I feel like his face wears damage pretty badly at this point. Uh, and mechanically, a lot of the things that he does don't really favor him when it comes to, to reliably hurting Leon, because, you know, the shots Leon has gotten hurt by are either slick counters or a guy that does that to everyone, like Nate Diaz with left straighting a southpaw. It, it's just going to happen. Uh, I, I think, honestly, like Masvidal has a bit better of a chance of beating Leon at this point than Colby does, just because Colby has aged in a way that I would expect to to lower his win chance so much, whereas Mazdal is at this point still hits hard, you know? It'd be like it'd be like if he if if he didn't win, it would look like there was no chance of him ever winning. There's at least a possibility of Masvidal like finding a big shot on Leon. And not I mean I, I guess it would be just one of those weird dystopian things if Colby Covington just suddenly came out and just rocked Leon shit and finished him. A kind of thing that has happened, but who was Colby Covington ever actually like hurt on the feet? Even Masvidal, he didn't particularly hurt. He just kind of flustered him. He landed about as hard of a spinning back this as you can possibly land on Robbie Lawler and it barely even phased him. It just cut him a little bit. So it's actually 
what I want to pick is I want to pick uh, Leon to win, but I think Colby's going to make him look bad, even though he's he's aged. But so much of it is just Colby hasn't fought in a while. If he had fought, you know, last like later last year or some point during this year, I feel like I'd have a, a better calculation of where he's at. But he's at a very weird turning point age-wise where it's hard to to guess exactly where he's going to be because he could have leveled out and now he's chilling and now he's you know developed a bit of old man power he's kind of figuring out how to fight as an old man because if he's figured some of that out i think he's got some upside especially since leon's not super young either i think leon hasn't lost any speed yet but uh, you know it's coming and he's he's been hurt before he's had a pretty long career by this point he's what like 15 years into his fighting career or not in fighting career, but like into his training career. Yeah, Leon had his first fight in 2011. So like he's been fighting for a long time. Uh, I, I I would expect a fall off somewhat soon, but I'm not going to pick based off of expecting that. So I'm going to think Leon Edwards by knockout in the second round with a lot of clinch success to build up to it. Like, maybe just brutalizing Colby in the clinch the first round anytime Colby's getting real aggressive. Yeah, I'm, go- I'm going Leon by finish within three. I don't even think it matters. Leon is not a good finisher and also just doesn't really hunt it. Um, I think if he's just having the kind of uh, classy and focused performance that he was having against Kamaruzman in his last fight, if he's able to just do all of the same stuff to punish Colby Covington for any kind of aggression that he wants to impose or for any success that he is able to have coming forward. Uh, I think Leon's he's just going to like knock Colby Covington out by accident or like drop him and then get on his back and choke him out. Yeah, if I had the game plan for Colby, it would be, or like from Colby's perspective, it would be... Getting into the clinch, I, I don't think the clinch is a dead zone for him. I think Leon just has a lot more offensive potency. I don't think Colby should avoid it, though. I think Colby should lean towards his own strengths in the clinch, uh, which is just clinging to you. He's very good at sticking to you and, and being annoying to get off. So I think something... Push you into the cage and repeatedly reshoot. Yeah, I think that's, of course, his, his main path to victory. But more so than that, I think he should look for... Uh, like really long clinch exchanges and in the early part of the clinch exchange he should just keep his fucking hand covering his face or like guard with his his power hand or from whatever stance he enters into clinch from just guard your chin with that hand and then hit the the body like two or three times the other one get good head position it's not that hard to actually hit leon in the body because he gets stood up really tall in the clinch a lot and he kind of gives himself a position where he's He's very tall in the clinch and, and his body's open. Uh, and he, you know, for as good as he is in the clinch, it's it's not unheard of or unseen in his fights for him to just get put on the fence and then sit there for too long. So uh, an approach built around hitting the body and taking small victories in the clinch and then constantly doing his own game of always reshooting and at least showing the takedowns coming up with uppercuts off of the takedown threat. Once some body shots have been shown, uh, just, just like kicking the body. 
Keeping that close stance jab in Leon's face, I think is a huge part of it. He should be kicking Leon's legs. He's not a good low kicker himself, but it's going to disrupt a lot of what Leon's going to be trying to do if he's getting his legs kicked while he's trying to kick himself. Yeah, I think even more than Brian Barberena, I do think Nate Diaz cracking Leon is kind of the worry here. It's a bad look, but also Nate Diaz hits much harder than people give him credit for. And he has hurt everyone he's fought with with that sh shot, pretty much. He's a sneaky hitter, and he has really sneaky timing on that southpaw 1-2, which, as you say, he cracks almost every southpaw he fights with that thing. Yeah, except for prime RDA. Yeah, it, 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 it's that real kind of once he's established that rhythm with his jab, that classic Diaz 1-2 that it's almost like a... 1.5 it's almost one punch uh and when he's playing that off of his jab the rhythm of it is actually can be very difficult to predict and it's it's because people just get surprised by that left hand colby covington has just he's never shown anything like that kind of subtlety as a boxer and the way that leon trails off in fights he trails off in fights where you have a lot of long periods of nothing happening uh, and, you know, it's a lot of opportunities for him, for someone to just find something on him, and then they go for that one shot that they have, and then it might work, it might not, but if it does work, then he's not that hard to finish, because he gets on Bambi legs, and he has real bad instincts when he's hurt. Like, the, the Nate Diaz finish, or the Nate Diaz end of the fight where he gets hurt really badly, if Nate Diaz was a good finisher, he would have fucking finished him literally 100% of the time. But Nate Diaz is a bad finisher and started taunting and slap fighting him and like getting his arms tied up because he wasn't shooting straight enough and he wasn't ripping the body. He also was so fucking far behind that there he just had a ton to make up for. Like that was it was the first time he even really hit Leon in the head. And then he's trying to finish him all of a sudden. It's just a big ask. I think Colby if he does hurt Leon, he's going to fucking put some hands on him he's gonna throw a shitload if he did manage to hurt him which is just not good for leon um but i think that enough is going to be happening constantly to keep leon's head in the game and i think that all of the greenness to his style that has kind of led him to have those difficulties that people would you know or like all the holes people would poke in his style of oh you know he, he his mind isn't always there it seems always there at this point after the Usman fight and the Bilal fight. Uh... I would be a lot more concerned about that kind of thing if we hadn't just seen that last Usman 3 fight from Leon where you know, I do think it's a real thing where sometimes people just win the belt and fucking level up. Well, yeah, it's, it's the old saying about you get 30% better if you, you win the championship. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just this like boon of confidence of being like wow i am the shit i'm the best in the world i'm the fucking champion or if things just change in your life when you have that kind of money and that kind of reputation i don't know what it is but it genuinely seems to be a real thing and that was a leon edwards that i had never seen before that was genuinely like a you know all, all the time that people have been saying oh man leon edwards he's good at all of this stuff but he just takes his eyes off the road he just didn't for a second in that fight it was like he had genuinely addressed whatever mental hang-ups he had that stopped him from 
applying his skill set to its fullest functional potential in a high-level MMA competition. Um, tremendously impressive. And, um, you know, that was a really long way of saying I think Leon's going to win easy. And, and the the way that his he seemed kind of fucky in the the second Usman fight when, when he won the title, he looked really bad uh, after the first round. First round just went so fucking well for him that it seemed like his mind just trailed off. And, and sometimes you just have a bad night, so it feels almost a little bit like insulting to just think that that's like a, a skill issue or a, or like a problem with him mentally that he had a bad night, you know? He, the guy doesn't fight crazy, like crazy frequently. In the middle rounds, he wasn't like getting his ass beat. He was just losing. I think people at this point seem to have forgotten that in the middle rounds, Usman was looking the best he had looked in years at that point. Yeah, great performance by Usman uh, the entire fight. And then Usman has his own problem with kind of taking the eye off the ball later in fights uh, if he thinks he's got it. And really has his own issue with getting kicked in the fucking head by Southpaw. <laughs> this time he just actually died for it. So uh, w- what's your pick exactly? What round? Uh, I'm going to say third. But I'm just saying within three. Honestly, wouldn't be. Some of the fucking big loopy shots that Covington was using to get Masvidal up against the cage with uh, in, in that fight... I wouldn't be surprised if this was like an eight-second Sestplasinski knockout, honestly. <laughs> yeah, and Leon looks as fast as ever lately. So, it, it, I mean, he's he's got a long career, but he's also only 32, you know? Okay, so... Co-main event. Pants Vol. Alexandre Pantoja coming off of awesome fight of the year contender with uh, Brandon Moreno to take the belt. Um, is now rematching former rival Brandon Royville. Yeah, my immediate thought on this fight was that, okay, so when, when Pantoja and Royville fought the first time, of course, uh, Brandon Royville got punched clean in the mouth many times. A uh, powerful, accurate straight puncher in Alexandre Pantoja, because that'll happen. And then there was kind of this moment where Brandon Royville, he's the raw dog he just he's at his best when he just goes fucking bananas um and there was kind of this moment where it almost seemed like he was about to take over and it seemed like cardio issues that have been somewhat of a question mark for Pantoja for a little while were just about to come back to bite him in the ass and Royval was starting to get his thing going and then Pantoja just submitted him and won so I think there is some temptation to be like, well, you know, Royville, if if he just could have stayed in that fight, then maybe he really could have just drowned Pantoja. Now, having seen that fight, uh, Pantoja against Moreno, like four minutes into that fight, I was like, oh, Pantoja's gassed. And like the whole fight was almost like Moreno constantly being on the verge of taking over and just never being able to do it. Pants just always having something to throw back, having a harder, cleaner counter that he could hit Moreno back with, winning a scramble and getting to a better position. He has the dog in him. He's still a pretty freakish physical force for this division. He's insanely durable and 
one of the best strength athletes and hardest punchers at flyweight. So um, it's going to be the same fight, right? Uh, I don't think it's going to be. I'm actually going to pick Royville uh, by decision because to a certain point, it's, it's to, to a certain point, uh, you you gotta give a fighter credit for being able to like keep at it and be winning while tired. But on the other hand, he was just a lot slower after the first round, which is just not it's not something I'm gonna rely on to to keep working, is just being able to fight while really tired, even if it's only relying on it like two times. Because you know, it's it's fair enough if you want to pick him in a, a Moreno rematch because he carries his power pretty well when he's tired. He doesn't get too lost in the sauce trying to defend himself when he's tired. He keeps a good split of defending himself and keeping himself protected and putting out good offense. So it's not something that I worry about with him normally. But the way that Royval can kind of make you pay for being tired is something that I don't really think Moreno's ever had. Uh, the way that Moreno makes you pay for being tired is by not getting tired or as tired. Whereas the way that Royval makes you pay for being tired is he's slow. So if you're now as slow as him or slower, then he gets more opportunities to land cool counters and things that will really fuck you up. And he got RNC'd, but you know, it's not like he's an easy guy to submit. Would you have been that surprised if they had fought a rematch like a month later and the Royville just didn't get RNC in the second round? No, but this is kind of the thing is coming away from that fight. The big question for me was, well, what does happen if Royville can just not get RNC'd? And my feeling at this point is kind of that Pantoja can still just sort of keep winning the same fight over and over again, even kind of once he gets tired you know that Brandon Moreno fight it just it it shows to me that Pantoja is just never out of a fight just because he gasses in four minutes yeah I think that's fair uh I but I it's not that I think he's going to be out of the fight it's that I I think that Royval does better like margin wise and and wins smaller exchanges as the fight goes on if Pantoja gets as fucking gas as he did against Moreno. And Royville's got a crazy chin as well. He doesn't he's probably not the same level of hitter as Moreno is, but he hits you with harder shots, if you get what I mean. You know, he'll like find a spinning elbow or he'll land a big head kick, even though Moreno's got a bit more horsepower. He's more kind of uniquely dangerous and creative than Moreno is. I'd say Moreno is a lot more He's just a lot more nuts and bolts with his shot selection. Very fair. You, you, like you said, he's he's not going to hit... I've, just, I've never seen Moreno hit anyone with anything like the Stepney that Royval just sparked out Mateusz Nikolaou with. Yeah, and I, I also think that Royval needs more credit in the grappling in terms of he might just be able to win the grappling if, if Pantoja gets as tired as he got against Moreno. Yes, yeah, still my only thing about that is um, Pantoja is one of the best back take guys in the sport. And even if he doesn't get the RNC, he can just fucking keep you there. And Royville is um, a lunatic on the ground who constantly gives his back in scrambles. Gives his back in scrambles a lot, but also 
aside from that, his scrambles are really fucking good. Yeah, and extremely tiring to deal with and stay on top of. But that's basically all my feelings about the fight. Um, I think we're just going to pick Pantoja to win by RNC again, or just end up getting like nine minutes of back control time and a couple of really big counters that win him rounds. Yeah, I'm going to pick Royval to student of the game him. I respect it. And he's, he's going to have a lot of good reads going into the fight that he didn't necessarily have going into the other one. Also, you know, of course, he probably should have been a lot more diligent about defending his back. But, you know, I, I don't think Royval would have given his back if he knew that he would get submitted fucking instantly. You know, it's not like he has a history of just getting RNC'd by guys uh, uh, while not thinking. It's it's the one submission loss he has. He did also uh, get his back taken and end up losing the fight from that position against Brandon Moreno. Yeah, but he also injured his shoulder, and that was a first round crazy scramble. Like that, it, that it's just a bit of a weird one to me. That to where it's a enough of an outlier to where I'm not gonna use that to inform my opinion too much on him, especially in a fight where you know I think. Pantoja's gotten better since their last fight, but I would estimate that Royal's gotten a lot. Uh, he's gotten more better, you know? I really feel for Brandon Royal because he's a guy who, when you listen to him talk, it really sounds like he has a, a mind and an eye for fighting and a real idea of what he wants to do that just doesn't work out a lot of the time because he's a... Like a C tier athlete or something. He's really kind of slow and uncoordinated uh, f- for a guy who's also a bonkers a scrambler and a, like a really offensively dynamic striker. But it really sounds like he doesn't want to get into those like crazy Tony Ferguson style wars like the one he had with Kai Kara France that starts with him getting dropped horribly and then like uses that to create weird offense against Kaikara France that he would never expect in those kind of situations. You know, I think he wants to be like a like a slick kickboxer. I think he wants to be Anthony Pettis when Anthony Pettis's shit is working. Exactly. But it just but he's just not that guy and he just gets into these crazy fucking fights. I remember seeing him get into a ridiculous scramble war and then submit Tim Elliott in his UFC debut and I was like, oh my god, this guy's awesome. And then in the post-fight interview, he's like, yeah, sorry guys, I wanted to show more of my striking, but you know, this is how it goes sometimes. Yeah, I also think that we haven't mentioned too much is the chance that uh, Royville just gets full-on knocked out because he's eaten a lot of fucking hits in his career, and I think his chin is worse for wear. I did mean to throw that out there. Brandon Royville, uh, I think we may have talked about this, weirdly kind of an example of a guy whose chin is actually diminished while they're still mostly in their physical prime. Yeah, he, he has a fight in his early career that if you watch it, you'll think, how in the fuck is this guy even living still? Everyone was having a blast watching it because it was a crazy war, but it was like... It was, he was getting late stopped. Yeah, he was getting, someone really should have taken him out there because, you know, it was, he was just too tough for his own good. And it was, it looked like someone taking Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje levels of life changing damage in like the first five fights of their career was genuinely concerning to me. 
it's not the only one. And then he, the fact that he's been getting, uh, like, he's just getting tagged without noticing it a little bit more in his recent fights. I don't know how much you've noticed that, but he does get hit by things that I feel like most prime fighters of his skill set generally aren't going to be getting blindsided by as much. So I think that his, his brain's just a little jostled from uh, years of taking big hits. So he might just get dinged by a big fucking hook, and then I'm definitely going to expect him to get RNC. Oh, 100%. You know, he was eating huge right hands from Pantoja in that last fight. I would not be surprised in the slightest if one of those shots came and it actually just put Royval out cold. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to pick... I'm, I'm picking Royval by decision, I bet. I'm just going Pantoja by any kind of finish within the first few rounds, to be honest, and probably still being able to eke out a pretty uh, convincing decision win if that finish doesn't materialize. But I'd love to see Brandon Royval as champion. He's a cool dude. He's a ton of fun. I've enjoyed every fight I've seen him in since he debuted in the UFC. Right, so moving on. Stephen Thompson is taking on undefeated Finnish machine Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, Christian, um, I heard Dana White say that Stephen Thompson's a little bitch who doesn't want to take fights. So, don't know what's going on here. I think he just reversed psychology to Wonderboy in taking this fight. I think he was like, oh, you're, you're a little bitch. You, you won't take these hard fights. Oh, yeah, Stephen Thompson, oh, he did... He doesn't want to fight Ian Gary. You know, we, we, we make fights here. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, so Stephen Thompson's like, what do you mean? Fuck you. No, I'll fight Shavkat Rachmanov a way fucking harder fight for me than Ian Gary. Like, he might lose to Ian Gary because Ian Gary's pretty good. Um, but, you know, this is definitely a harder fight style-wise. Oh, yeah. Uh, seems absolutely horrifying, um, kind of on the surface of it. But... Then the deeper you look, it's even more horrifying. But he might win. I think there's, uh, I think there's a lot of room for Stephen Thompson to look good in this fight, at least for moments. Because you know everyone's assuming that Shavkat is just going to uh, fling Stephen Thompson around like a child and um, crush his head into the canvas. The thing about Shavkat Rachmanov. There seems to be a weird thing among a lot of the more casual uh, viewer base. The thing that Shavkat is... Uh, is just Kamaev? Similar fighter to Kamaev. And they re- really aren't anything alike. I, th- I guess this is just because they kind of burst onto the scene at a similar sort of time. Both, you know, big undefeated finishers... And um, and MMA fans are like a little racist. So yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of MMA fans that don't realize that Kazakhstan is three thousand miles away from Chechnya. Yeah, they're like, oh well, he has Rachmanov in his last name, and they aren't able to identify that that's 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 not Chechnyan. Shevka kind of sounds like Hamzat. So yeah, they both got a T at the end. Anyway. Shevka, he's really not that kind of wrestler. He's a great grappler and top player, and. He has his own slice of the fight where his takedowns are particularly effective. But he's not like Hamzat, who has this like lightning shot from a pretty long distance and then can use that to convert grips to get these really dominating rides, you know, leg mounts up against the cage and uh, 
back ride with the cross wrist. I don't want to say Dagestani handcuff. Someone's going to give me shit about that. Um, you know, he's... Most of his takedowns all come in the clinch because the clinch is a real like, central part of how the whole of Shavkat's game functions. And he's also a really... He's actually a really floaty top player who's way more willing to let people try shit to get better positions to do absolutely life-ending damage or get submissions. He actually, like, kind of let Neil Magny entertain scrambles for, like, a couple of rounds before he just front-choked him, you know? Um, and it's not that Shafkat's the kind of guy who's going to give up bad positions to jump shitty submissions that aren't going to work. He he loves, like, trying to let people post to stand up so he can snap down on a guillotine. Um, he also loves clearing the legs to get um to just get stacked way over you and land like downward straights has some of the most sickeningly accurate ground and pound i've ever seen like anderson silver charles Oliveira style ground and pound where he actually puts people out cold with a couple of really well-placed shots but the thing is like i say most of those takedowns all come into the clinch, and the clinch is something that kind of just happens as a function of his particular brand of pressure. You know, for a dedicated pressure fighter, it's not like he's a big cage-cutting guy. It's a lot more that he just loves chasing people around, fucking them up. It, 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 and when people are moving away from him, he has a really wide arsenal of extremely dangerous and hard-to-read attacks that he can lead with. He's got great kicks, great step knees, long straights. Um, and the thing is, uh, and it's then when people try to stand his ground or pressure him back that they will collide and end up in the clinch where he has, a, again, an extremely violent uh, clinch striking game and um, basically a bunch of judo trips that he, uh, his main takedowns where he actually gets fights to the ground. But the thing is, he just gets punched clean in the mouth while he's coming into range and on the edge of the pocket, like, all the time, because he's just wading in, like, straight up and down, just so focused on his own offense, not even thinking about what the guy is coming back with. That you know, He got hit a lot on the counter by Jeff Neal. And Stephen Thompson, still one of the best ring generals and counterpunchers in the sport ever. I'm not saying he's best kickboxer, whatever, I don't care. He's a really good MMA striker. He's a really good striker for MMA, and particularly in that kind of directionality where, you know, against someone who's liable to just be, get caught clean on the counter while entering range repeatedly, it's going to happen at least one time where Shavkat's just marching in and Stephen Thompson suddenly appears completely like 90 degree angle next to him and chins him with a big left straight. But this, I still don't think Stephen Thompson's going to win though. I tend to also think that will happen at some point. Yeah, I think the fight is deceptively really difficult for Wonder Boy on the feet as well because a lot of what Shafkat does is shit that's just annoying to be slick on the outside against throw a hard kick and don't even worry if it hits your guard. Yeah, on the surface, it's it seems like, oh yeah, Shafkat enters in on straight lines a lot. 
he he likes things like the the stepney to start an exchange or to enter the clinch uh he he likes a lot of uh, like straight kicks things that wonder boy can parry out of the way and then get into good position to counter or counter just by you know teeping him in the stomach or something or, or sidekicking him in the stomach uh he, he, on the surface it sounds like he has a lot of things that are difficult for for Shafkat. but what Shafkat does have that makes the fight more difficult for Wonder Boy than I think vice versa is Shafkat has really fucking good collar ties if he misses one of his straight shots. Uh, he, he, he's probably going to be a lot harder to move around than we are expecting or most people are expecting. Uh, I think it's going to be a lot more pocket exchanging than most people are expecting out of Wonder Boy because Wonder Boy's honestly kind of a willing pocket operator and Shavkat's going to be right there for it. Shavkat normally is someone that's a bit more susceptible to a guy just clanging him with a lead hook than, you know, stepping out to the perfect angle and, and hitting him with a crisp straight. And Wonder Boy's poised to do that. Wonder Boy's he's good at, at standing his ground and just sitting down on a hard shot. But though Wonder Boy actually really doesn't like getting uh, kicked to the body much. Or, or it's not that he's weak to body shots or anything. He just doesn't like whenever someone's showing that type of option. He really wants you to just headhunt. So Shotgun's good at kicking the legs. He's good at kicking the body. And his collar ties are going to make escaping really fucking difficult. And then also, whenever Wonder Boy tries to stand his ground, it might just create a grappling scenario like happened in the Kevin Holland fight. Now, Kevin Holland was just like, nah, it's all good. Gentleman's agreement. Let's stand up. Shafkat's not going to fucking do that. Shafkat's going to be like, oh, you you accidentally took yourself down trying to attack me? Well, thank you. I will just knock you out literally with one punch on the ground. Like, that's a, there's a good chance he, he knocks out uh, Wonder Boy on the ground in the first round without it even really being a product of him being hurt on the feet or... I, I feel like most people that are picking Shafkat by uh, any sort of grappling win are expecting him by sub, but oh, why wouldn't he just knock him out on the ground? Wonder Boy is pretty easy to get ground and pound on, and it's it's not outlandish to think that he could just get legitimately taken down, not even knocked down or uh, or uh, like f- not even a fall into a weird position. He might just get single legged because his takedown defense has looked a little shot lately. Oh, absolutely. I just think I just, I just I don't think it's as as like cut and dry as Shavkat's just gonna like shoot once and the fight's over. I'm not saying he's a bad wrestler or anything, or that he's incapable of just like timing a decent shot, particularly against someone who just doesn't really seem to have the reactions or hips specifically to deal with that at this point in their career. Um, it's more than just like, I, uh, I think people are, I think people are underrating how much Stephen Thompson's distance management and general and ring generalship acts as its own takedown defense in this kind of matchup. I agree. I think that a lot less of Rachmanov's, uh, grappling potential in this fight is... I think a lot less of it is dependent on the 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 striking success than most would normally anticipate. I, I think a lot of people think, oh, well, if if Wonder Boy is you know tuning him up on the feet, then Shafkat's probably gonna have problems getting to the fight to the ground. 
But I don't think he needs the fight to the ground for one. And also, I I, I think that the the ground opportunity can come at just really any moment. He doesn't have to really manufacture it in any sort of way that's intelligent. I think he can just stay on Wonder Boy and eventually they'll collide and enter a grappling exchange. And though I don't think that it's just one shot and then, you know, Wonder Boy's on the ground and then he's beating the fuck out of him or submitting him. I think it's one time he gets on top of him and then the fight's fucked. Like I, I don't think I don't I think if they get, I think if he gets on top of Wonder Boy, then he finishes the fight within about a minute. Yeah, I do agree with that, and um, yeah, I am still totally going to pick Shavcat by some kind of disgusting finish. Uh, also, Wonder Boy's hands are brittle, and Shavcat has a fucking beard on him. Obviously, I'm still going to be picking Shavcat. I just I feel like there's some room for Stephen Thompson in this fight that people just aren't even considering. Is just the fact that Stephen Thompson either has to have literally a perfect performance where he just basically never lets Shavkat get like a clean entry on him and just dog walks him and counters him repeatedly for the whole fight. Or he has to just be the first guy to actually just knock Shavkat the fuck out when he finds that big counter in the first round. He has to just like knock Shavkat out in the first few exchanges. And I'm just, I'm never going to pick that kind of thing. Because uh, I do agree that if Shavkat gets a clean position on top of Stephen Thompson, it's like instant death. All the things we mentioned about the ground and pound and the fact that Stephen Thompson will always take the most direct path to just get straight back to his feet, even if it means taking some shots or momentarily compromising his position. Those are the moments where Shavkat just murders people all the time. Oh, and uh, a difficulty for Wonder Boy is that uh, I think if he manages to reliably hurt Shafkat, it's only in service of winning a decision. I, I don't think he's going to finish him because, contrary to popular belief, uh, Wonder Boy is actually kind of a bad finisher. If you watch the Kevin Holland fight as the most recent example, which is also a notable example, even if you you don't pay attention to that specific matchup. Just because it's the only fucking fight that he almost finished someone in the last, like, eight years. Like, he, his last finish before the uh, the Kevin Holland fight was in, what, like, 2016? Was it Rob Whitaker? It was Johnny Hendricks in 2016. Yeah. Early 2016. So, not a good look uh, for someone that's known as, like, a a, a dangerous lights-out finisher. He's a good knockout artist if if he's really given the opportunity, but he's not a good finisher. He has actually kind of fucks up and starts. Uh, he kind of just starts throwing, not necessarily the most calculated shots or good shots. And normally, if he's able to land a good shot on you, it's just one that's just going to finish you, not one that's really going to hurt you. And Shavkat is not that type of fighter. I would expect so- if Shavkat fought another Shavkat that he might get finished. You know, like if you put him in a mirror match, one of them's getting fucking submitted or knocked out. But in in this type of matchup, I think it just requires too much. Uh, it requires him to just be miles ahead of of where we think Shafkat actually is right now for him to be able to to get a finish on him. Like Shafkat would have to be a, a, either a lot worse than we're expecting or. Wonder Boy would have to just be that much better than we're even getting, giving him credit for. And he, we have so many fucking fights of his to watch to where it's pretty easy to have a, a good estimation of where Wonder Boy's at. 
yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, I have to give Stephen Thompson some credit because uh, I think the guy's awesome and he has huge nuts for taking this fight. It's just a big ask for him to pull this kind of thing off at this point in his career, you know? It's just not the right opportunity for him to be fighting someone. Like, Ian Gary, honestly, he might have some good chance, like a good chance against Ian Gary, even though Ian Gary Might pick him against Ian Gary. Especially depending on how he looks in this fight. Uh, like, I could see... I, I'm going to have troubles picking someone that's just a striker or almost exclusively a striker against Wonderboy even now. Like, no matter how good they are at it or how promising they seem, just because he, he's incredibly like tenured he he's he has had fights like this where it seems like an old dog fighting the the new guy is just gonna come in and fuck him up and then steven just fucking wins most of those fights still fast still got pop still got a chin still got a gas tank like all of his fights that are just him against an an up-and-coming striker with the exception of the Aaron Till fight where he are uh, arguably lost a uh, robbery and then the anthony pettis fight where he fought another old man and and got uh not fluke KO'd, but adjacent to fluke KO'd. Those are the examples of like a a guy that's a striker actually beating him on the feet. He, he's it's a tough fucking ask to just beat him. Striking. It's not like Anthony Pettis was winning that fight. No, he was getting his ass beaten. Yeah, you know people want to clown on Stephen Thompson for that, but like Anthony Pettis is. One of the most dangerous lightweights of all time. Yeah, and I- I'm going to pick Shavkat by hurting Wonderboy on the feet and then finishing him on the ground with ground and pound. But I don't know. It's not outside of the realm of possibility that uh, they actually make it to a decision. If anyone's tough enough to handle getting fucked up by Shavkat for three rounds, then it's definitely Wonderboy. People always forget his toughness, even though he's proven his toughness so many fucking times at this his point. second fight in the ufc against matt brown in a fight where he was getting horrifically shit stomped for long portions of that fight and it should have been stopped and he was still in that fight the whole time and basically knocked matt brown out and then punched him back into consciousness multiple times so what's what's your exact pick you got around in mind it's hard not to pick shavkat finish even that he only finishes. It just feels like such an inevitability at this point, you know? Okay. Um, Tony Ferguson's fighting Paddy Pimblett. Uh, I'm not even going to watch this fight. I'm not watching Tony Ferguson fights anymore. And it's genuinely, purely out of my respect and admiration that I have for Tony Ferguson. And it just kills me to see him out there these days. Uh, it's not my place to tell a guy when to quit his job. Uh, I just don't want to see it anymore. And this matchup is uh travesty. Paddy Pimbler is not good, but he's young and dangerous and on a big winning streak. And Tony Ferguson has not won or looked good in a fight for a long time. Uh, you know, there's the whole thing where, because he's Tony Ferguson, they kept having to get in, him in there with elite guys. And it's like, you know, he's... He's losing to some of the best in the world and even having some moments in this fight. You know, if this was even Tony Ferguson at the levels of shotness that he was when he fought Michael Chandler, I think he would win this fight very easily by finish. It's just, we're at a point where I don't think I can pick Tony Ferguson to win a fight in the UFC. So, honestly, uh, as soon as 
Ian Gary versus Luke A is done. I'm just going to go like peace out and watch some TV for a little bit. Yeah, I... So, I feel like it's not really our demographic, but the, the people that are thinking that David Goggins training Tony Ferguson has all of a sudden changed anything, uh, I don't think it has changed anything. I think he's going to make it dramatically worse. Probably. Uh, I think that he is going to look better than he normally has, not because of David Goggins, but just because the matchup allows it, and Patty Pimblett pretty easy to hit with intercepting shots, and that's all Tony can really hit people with anymore, because his timing isn't completely shot. Uh, they caught Michael Chandler on, a, on, on an exit, just, you know, flash the jab in his face, and then a big big wide left hand at he as he's leaping backwards. Yeah, because I, I, people are, are saying, oh, you know, he's, he's Diego Sanchez shot, forgetting that Diego Sanchez still fucking, like, outgrapples almost everyone that he has grappled with since then. Diego Sanchez could still handle himself in the grappling in the Kevin Lee fight. I, I, Tony Ferguson, he certainly had much higher heights than Diego Sanchez did, but he's, like, more shot than that. Yeah, I he's so shot that he should be forced to retire, but also... I don't think this is unwinnable for him. I'm just going to pick Patty Pimblett to, to like hedge my bets because it's way more likely that Patty just kind of lands a huge shot early. And and the fact that he was looking so ragged against uh against Nate Diaz and then you know, people give him credit for the Bobby Green fight without you know, being honest <laughs> and insane. Bobby Green's just really fucking easy to look good against if you have anything like in your gas, like anything in the tank left. You can be pretty bad. And did Tony Ferguson look good in that fight? No, but he made it kind of far. He made it to the third round before he got submitted, which is not a good look for Bobby Green more so than it is a good look for Tony Ferguson. Is my estimation of that? Well, he still got submitted by Bobby Green. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's that's definitely a bad thing. But uh. People were treating that as like some sort of moral victory that he got finished by a journeyman who doesn't finish people by that method ever. He got fucking he got tech subbed because he's still you know this is the thing is that he can't even adapt to himself because he can't admit that he's an old man and that time has come for him. He literally gave up the position that he got finished in in that fight because he went for uh, like a Granby role or or like a maybe. Some kind of role, <laughs> some kind of crazy counter wrestling thing that he straight up just did not have the pop in his hips to finish and just put himself on bottom and got tech subbed by Bobby Green, who's a good grappler. But it's just Tony Ferguson we're talking about, my dude. <sighs> yeah, in like the David Goggins shit. Um... I'm I'm going to give it more credit than I think some people are. They're acting like it means absolutely nothing. I don't think it means absolutely nothing. I think that's disrespectful to all the work that Tony's putting in. You know, he's he's really trying his best. I think his cardio and pace is going to be a good look. I think he's just going to look hideously overtrained. Oh, probably. But he uh, kind of has his last several fights anyways. I think he's just going to be like well, better yeah. while overtrained. Um. But I, I'm not expecting him to look good because of it. I'm expecting him to come out and be able to maintain a pace. Because he, he looked fucking exhausted against Nate Diaz pretty fucking early. I don't think he's going to look as exhausted as quick. 
especially since Patty Pimblet's just someone that's like not that mentally stressful to fight. Nate Diaz is always insulting you. Like it's just kind of draining to be like, oh, this guy's called me a bitch like four times. Fucking stupid. Yeah, you're hitting him and he's just like making gang signs at you. Yeah, yeah. Like not even like actual gang signs either, just like ones that him and his brother made up. Like he, he's showing like his fucking secret handshake with Nick to, to, to threaten you, and you're like, what the fuck? So I, I'm expecting Patty to knock him out in the first rounds. <laughs> Yes, me too. Uh, I'm going to pick Patty by uh, knockout. I'm going to say right hook in the pocket uh, while Tony's back is on the fence. After Patty's eaten like a three-punch clean combination from Tony. Yeah, I would appreciate it if you could drop me a message as soon as Tony has been carried out of the arena on a stretcher. Will do. And if he wins, by if he wins, I'm just going to like send you a message of me all caps saying oh my fucking god he's back and this is you know he still might just clang patty pimplet and knock him out <laughs> well patty's just got a really good chin that's the issue for tony is it's not even like it's a matchup that he's got oh he's just got to land that good shot you know patty's dur- durable as fuck yeah, I mean, but he still had to show that in his UFC debut against Luigi Vandramini. But, you know, might pick Luigi Vandramini to beat Tony Ferguson at this point. Oh, I would. Yeah, he hits hard. Yeah, um, I'm going to uh, talk about the next fight because this is making me sad. Oh, this fight's probably going to make me sad too, though. Nah, I think it's going to be tight. <laughs> it, it could be. Ian Gary's fighting for Sente Luque. Of course, they've former training partners i don't know for how long uh, uh henry who a while i don't like this one just because you know it's just because he's sneaky from ian gary because i saw a video a little while back where uh he broke down everyone in the top 10 at welterweight and half the video was him saying well you know i'm probably not going to fight that guy because he trained trains at henry hooft and i trained at henry hooft and you know all of the, all of the good elite welterweights were at henry hooft so that's why i went there it's for good training partners and now he's like oh i think luke is shot and i've got a read on him i'm gonna go knock him out real quick and take his ranking i get what you're saying but i think he i i don't think that's why <laughs> i think I think he's he's just like, oh, they sent me a contract for him. He's my buddy, you know. Like, well, they there's a fucking video of them talking to each other about the fight. They're like, hey, man, I respect you. And he's like, no, bitch, I respect you. They're, like, fighting for how nice they can be to each other. Well, yeah, there's both just wholesome dudes. I'm sure there's not any, like, bad blood involved in this whole thing. It's just more the fact that, you know, Ian Gary's, like, one of the only mma fighters who seems to have a manager who have any idea what they're doing you know i think this is as well as grooming him yeah she knows what she's doing nice what's the crime oh the crime is she's not doing it with me just do that whole south park episode yeah you just, just fucking play the whole episode to start the, the podcast anyway i think this is this is absolutely a matchup picked out for ian gary to look good vicente luque obviously at his best extremely dangerous a pressuring, like, aggressive counterpuncher, just likes to use his jab and low kicks to force people back and get get into range and force exchanges where he he can just land bigger shots. And he also is at his best of a good cage cutter who is really urgent about enforcing that kind of space and has good shot selection to punish people for trying to get away from him. He's just looked increasingly plodding and unsure of himself 
but particularly since you know, he got knocked out for the first time by Jeff Neal and then had like a horrible brain hemorrhage where he nearly died. Um, you know, Luke, he's always dangerous, particularly against anyone who's gonna invite extended exchanges against him. You know, Gary nearly got murked by a left hook from fucking Song Kanan. You want to talk about limited plodding power punches? Well, no, also uh, a bad thing about that fight uh, he mentioned that the reason he got hurt is because he threw a left hook to the body, as if that's like that's the issue there. Oh, so as long as he never throws a left hook to the body ever again, then he won't get knocked out with a left hook up top from Vicente Luque. There we go. Case Th- that that thinking specifically gives me a, a good thought that uh, Luque might actually knock him out with left hook because Ian Gary just doesn't understand that he's susceptible to left hooks as a function of the way that he fights. Yeah, and that the left hook to the body is still a good move that he should use when it's there. <laughs> and it doesn't even make you particularly vulnerable to a left hook to the head if you aren't doing it wrong. He just he threw the one left hook of the body that he threw the in, in his entire career at the worst fucking time imaginable. Like, that was just him being green and not really knowing when he's got an opportunity for a free left hook to the body. So I am expecting him to get dinged pretty hard by a left hook to the head. But he seems tough, uh, like, not just, like, durability-wise, but he seems mentally tough, too. Like, he can take a big shot and then keep going. No, at the time, I honestly saw it as a good look for Gary that he got dropped really hard by Sunken on, didn't tilt, didn't really seemed to affect his approach that much he's just like i got dropped it happens and then he goes out and you know still continues to push his own game and gets a big finish in the next round at the time i was like well yeah that shows stern resolve and toughness and in cage maturity beyond his years Ian Gary, he's just he's kind of like sean o'malley and it's just if you're actually comfortable uh fighting moving backwards and fighting from a long range that's kind that's kind of a cheat code in mma like not a lot of people really have a way of actually dealing with that if you're any good at it and ian gary is uh, creative and dangerous when he's able to just tee off on someone from miles away i think luke's gonna probably follow him around getting jabbed and kicked and quite possibly get finished um but on the other hand i do think if luke does ding gary which is always there and maybe luke's just got the exact read that he needs to land that big left hook i do think if that happens then he probably just wins by knockout but i'm gonna pick ian gary by either decision or kind of like late attritional stoppage well also the the thing that i think makes him most similar to sean o'malley is that they're probably the fastest guy in their weight class uh, and they get to abuse the fuck out of their range because they're so fast. So Ian Gary, when he throws uh, a head kick, that shit comes out like lightning. Uh, really good chance he just kind of keeps Luke stranded at range with his one-two and then finds a really sneaky head kick opportunity and just fucking cleans his head off. Uh, and Luke doesn't really like whenever someone is able to to make entering the pocket difficult. He's a lot better at people or against people that are bad once you get into the pocket and just okay at, at keeping their range enforced. Whereas Ian Gary is just a very he's just very like diligent and uh 
I, I, I guess, like, responsible uh, defensive fighter whenever he's trying not to get fucked up, especially by a guy that he clearly respects. Like, I, he's probably sparred Luke and gotten fucking, like, fucked up real hard with a, a huge left hook and be like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Not doing that again. I'm going to keep my fucking, my hand by my head. I'm going to jab him conservatively. So I'm actually expecting Ian Gary to look fantastic and knock him out in a round. Because basically everything you laid out as well as I think Ian Gary has a pretty a pretty fucking high ceiling. Oh, and then we got fucking Ilya Tapuria's children fighting uh, Bryce Mitchell fighting Josh Emmett. Now, this one's sick because Josh Emmett was supposed to be fighting Giga Jakadze. I thought that was kind of mean after getting shit stomped by Yaya Rodriguez and then Ilya Tapuria. It's like, okay, so you got obliterated by a really fast dynamic kicker and a Georgian guy. <laughs> so why don't I fight... A Georgian really fast dynamic kicker. Not that that fight would have been a wash for Giga. I just didn't. I just didn't really like it. Whereas this is dope because uh, I. <laughs> what was Bryce Mitchell gonna do? Uh, throw fucking hillbilly one twos. Can probably get like murdered. <laughs> Josh, uh, it's, not, it's not. It's not like he's looked bad in these fights. He's just been getting shut out by elite extremely dangerous fires yeah really it's a really hard fight uh any time that you have to grapple josh emmett yeah who has ever done that not really anyone look at the dude uh, how are you supposed to it's not happening yeah it's hard to grapple a bowling ball but i i think that he is i i think there's something that bryce could do bryce is uh striking has looked like progressively better throughout his career, and uh, the Tapuria fight wasn't really a knock on that. Uh, he he just got fucking hossed by a guy that's literally five times better athletically and also really good. He 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 just got fucking beaten the shit out of by a guy that in his next fight looked like Roberto Duran. So not not a not a bad look. And then the Dan Ige fight, you know, it, it's good to be able to not get knocked out by Dan Ige. That, like, that doesn't mean nothing. He still got tagged by Dan Ige a bunch on the counter. Oh, I'm expecting Josh Emmett to, to knock him out. I, I think Josh Emmett by TKO in the first two is, is probably pretty good chance. Yeah, Bryce Mitchell got tagged a ton by Dan Ige on the counter, and it was Dan Ige's own defensive wrestling liabilities that came back to bite him in that matchup. You know, Dan Ige is a good counterpuncher, He's an underrated hitter and just developed feel through experience for fighting that kind of fight. Um, I just think when this time when Bryce Mitchell gets like dinged by the big left hook because he's just like entering, getting a bit too froggy, trying to spam one twos, uh, it might just be like Josh Emmett versus Ricardo Lamas again. Yeah, I can see that fully. Which would be uh, awesome. I don't even mind Bryce Mitchell particularly. Yeah, I just had you know we just haven't seen. Uh, a Josh Emmett knockout where we wondered if the guy was literally dead for a while. Yeah, we haven't seen why people uh, treat 
Josh Emmett like he's this knockout powerhouse in a while. And, I mean, not since he fucking jabbed Mursad Bektik. Yeah, I mean, he dropped Shane Burgos a bunch of times in the last round, and then... Yeah, but even then, the fact that he didn't get the finish is just a bad look. I guess. Josh Emmett, once again, not really a good finisher. He just punches extremely fucking hard. He has a fight way back in his UFC career where he got, like, four knockdowns in a round. You get four knockdowns in a round, you're a bad finisher. Not knocking out or particularly hurting Calvin Cater on the feet is not really a knock on your power, <laughs> you know? You still still leveraged it to get by that fight and pull out a, a win, even if some people didn't think he deserved it, by just basically just power bullying Calvin Cater, just being like, no, I, I can just chase you around and hit you harder in every exchange, and I can push you back with flurries of body shots, and even if they're not landing clean, they're moving you around and they're extremely eye-catching. Uh, Bryce Mitchell, on the other hand, I do think is just going to get knocked out, so I'm going to pick that. Fair. Uh, Irina Aldana is fighting Carol Rosa. Okay, okay, I got to stop you right there, Christian, because this podcast is already long as shit, and I got to like make dinner. Uh, I, you know, I wanted to even talk about some more of these fights. You know, Andre Feely versus Lucas Almeida, three fights into the card. That's a great fight. I like it, and it's basically almost guaranteed to either be a knockout for Almeida or a submission for Feely. So, and Cody Kelleher is fun because Kelleher is probably going to get his absolute shit stomped like like the the most one-sided fight you've ever seen and then he still might knock out cody garbrandt horribly because cody has been reliably looking fucking amazing uh apparently Mm. like like for no reason he just looked amazing outside of the fact that he isn't really winning much he has one fight where he's won against trevin jones and then the the knockout against the Sunsau. But his takedowns have looked really good. Uh he's he's looked slick in like he's I aware. was about to end the podcast, but I gotta push back on that. When has Cody Garbrandt looked amazing literally since the Dominic Cruz fight? He yeah, did, didn't fucking, look good. The Trevin Jones fight, he got good takedown. It's just Trevin Jones might and that was not Sorry, that was not a good fight from Cody Garb. Oh, yeah, he got a nice takedown in a fight where he also just looked completely unsure of himself and what he actually wanted to do against a guy who, you know, just one of the most passive wait-and-see fighters that you'll ever see at this division. And then still got the fucking fear of God knocked into him in the third round. You know, he looked bad in the Asun South fight, but he was just well, ten I, times What fast. I'm thinking is Cody's just so shot that he's probably going to look fast as fuck and win super easily without even getting hit and then he gets knocked I out. Just don't, I don't even think it's going to... I think he could lose a decision to Brian Kelleher, my dude. Honestly. He could. I think he could just, just second-guess himself in every exchange and not throw enough and Brian Kelleher can just be there like, try, like actually doing stuff. Or just... Find a big shot and knock Cody Garbrandt out. I, I think uh, Garbrandt is deceptively like Weidman. Yeah, I think up until the Trevin Jones fight, Cody Garbrandt had he'd kind of been doing what Weidman was doing, where he would look like himself but still lose, and and just pr- get losses progressively harder because he's getting more shot as he's going on. But now I think he's settled into knowing that he's he's not that good anymore. He's just fast and has really fucking good takedown timing. So I think he's going to make Brian Keller look awful and then still get knocked out. That's, That's fair. Yeah, so, I mean, you know it's a good card when we get a fucking 90-minute podcast out of basically just the main card. Yeah, we didn't even talk about last uh, card where 
The highlights are Hawk Pras got a KO, Khalil did an uppercut left hook is pretty di- pretty nice, then Yadong easily won. So, and Khalil genuinely looks like he's kind of turned it around a little bit. Yeah. And Hyunsung Park is good. That's the whole card. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Peace. Later.